you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The Around the NFL Podcast works out with Dan Campbell. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room teeming with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, Andrew Siciliano, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> you work out with Dan Campbell, right, Andrew? Dan Campbell. Uh, I've never worked out with Dan Campbell. No. <laughs> we have talked about it on this podcast, and thank you for joining us again, Andrew. I'm happy to be here. I think Dan Campbell uses the word bro too much. I don't know if I could work out. <laughs> That's why I didn't keep the job. Siciliano is a sneaky hot bot. We've talked uh, about what? this. Sneaky hot bot. <laughs> <laughs> and people could see it because, because Good first morning, of all, Andrew. couple things. Yes. Hold that thought. <laughs> uh, this is... Uh, our show, the Around the NFL podcast, presented by and sponsored by Scott Trade. What a guy. Scott Trade. <laughs> it's on video. If you're listening to the podcast. So you could see what I'm saying is you could see Andrew's sneaky hot bod, although it's hidden, obscured a bit under a, a puffy jacket. Um, <laughs> and wow. Gosh, this is the monkey that rides the dog, by the way. This is the official. Oh, that's the great. That rides the dog. <laughs> wow. Is that like your Kirk Cousins marketing opportunity? No, no, no. no. They're <laughs> not getting. I mean, they're not paying me for this. But this was my gift Get. from the crew at end of the year, direct TV for the Red Zone channel. Yeah. Because they know that I cackle obsessively. Like I, I can't even stop when the monkey's on the screen. Right? Riding the dog. Oh, yeah. I love right, that. Right, right, God right. pleaser. And um, they, they actually contacted them. Got me the stuffed animal monkey, a glossy 8x10 headshot, and the T-shirt. Hot take here. The monkey's a little overrated. That dog's Whoa. doing all the work. Whoa. Hot take. That dog <laughs> yeah. is doing Hot all take. the work. <laughs> well, I had a I had a theory that I, I broached on an end around column like last month. What about the idea? Because everyone loves the monkey riding mm-hmm. on the dog, and they throw it out at halftime a couple times a year, and we, we all laugh at it. What if you took the best dog, the best monkey, and the best uh, monkey riding on dog trainer, gave them a full year to train, and then put them on halftime Super Bowl 51. I don't think they need the full year. Have, haven't you seen what they do? They're good. They're, but I'm saying what if I would you take that maximize the potential? I would actually watch the Super Bowl halftime. Add a little production value, have them going through fire rings or something like that. I'm just saying. <laughs> Along with Coldplay. 
Well, no, we'll have Coldplay this year. They can do their thing. <laughs> Give us a full 365 to prep, and then bang, you tear the house down with the monkeys riding on the dogs. So we had a Ram, right, yesterday here at NFL Network? That's right. Wearing a Chris Long jersey. Right. Right? And I got a text from somebody saying, but do you have a monkey riding the Ram around the building? <laughs> that would be fun. That would be great. That would get, a, get, that would get NFL Network on dead speed. You want monkey for 51. Yeah. I'm with you. Monkey in 51. That's, that's what it's all Bruno about. beats Bruno Mars. Um, oh, Bruno Mars was good. Stop what? it. Wes, more the shots game was More bad. hot takes. <laughs> the game was bad, but Bruno Mars was good. Just rather see a monkey riding dog. Okay, well, that's yeah. different. Black so, Eyed Peas I could have lived without. Yeah, well, let's speak the, for all less said about I think that. we could all agree on that. Yeah. So, yes, thank you, Scott Trade, uh, for everything you do and the, the business that you operate in. Thank Which you for is spot- successful. And in this show, as you mentioned, it's on video. So now our Thursday shows are on YouTube if, you, if our listeners want to check them out there. Our Thursday, Thursday and Sunday shows. Sunday, NFL Now, YouTube. It's all happening. And uh, today's show will be, and I said it uh, on Tuesday, love Divisional Round Weekend, my favorite weekend of the year. The best. You get out. You get all the wild card uh, has-beens or wannabes <laughs> out of the mix. And now you just got studs uh, battling to play in the last weekend in uh, February, uh, last weekend of football. So we're going to dig into the four games, and we're digging in. Oh, you yeah. guys, you uh, along with Colleen last week, you dug in on that wild card, and everybody was happy. <laughs> I got a lot of tweets about it, but we're digging in deeper in Divisional Weekend. Andrew okay. Does, Andrew doesn't know Dan was feeling <laughs> challenged a little bit by Colleen. Yeah. Little. Well, Colleen's a great host. Colleen's great at what she does. She absolutely is. And, and she joined on the uh, on the when the TV stuff last week with right. us. That's correct. Around the NFL now on an hour early every day at 5 p.m. Eastern during the postseason. And you guys, I thought you guys made TV magic. Oh, thank you, thank you Andrew, and thank you for the the plugs. He always drops in there, Andrew on on, on the network. A million downloads a month. Love that little stat. He I think Rosa thought. Did, did you make that up? No, that's I'm that's real. real. <laughs> no, I know he didn't. But. So we'll get to those games, but before we do that, there is some news to talk about, and Andrew's going to sit in on the news today. Um, and before we get to it, though, we're going to say hi, uh, a dynamic woman, a woman who hails from Utah, came to L.A. to pursue the big dreams and <laughs> operated, <laughs> operated uh, a, a sports talk show called Cougtown. No, it was Cougtube. Cougtube. Thank you very much. At BYU, she is Sydney Carlson. Lassie. Hey, guys. How's What's it going? What's up? Hey. It's going great. We've got a video show today. Yeah, you Big got time. a little nervous energy, and I see I do. It. I, I see do. it in your eyes. The You're boss t- behind me here. Really? Yeah, here's TD. Everyone say oh, hi. TD's there? Yeah. TD just lingers. Sometimes you'll, the funny thing about TD now, because we don't get to work with him as much, uh, sometimes you'll see TD just walking around NFL media in like a knee-length uh, pea coat, like Liam Gallagher <laughs> or something, and he's just wandering around. I don't even know what he's doing. It's a true story. Well, wow. he's gotten to the to stage where, yeah, he's just sitting in the background observing. That's how high up he is in his position at this point. But we all agree that the pea coat, the pea coat tells the story of a man who's deep in thought. Something's going right. on. Nobody wears a pea coat that just goes about life haphazardly. <laughs> Not in this case. A, but a pea coat in general, like that, that brooding look, hands in pocket, walking down the street in midtown Manhattan, as opposed to walking around the building here in L.A. But right. the pea coat says, I'm a deep man. Everyone, I'm a de- I think very deeply. It's Everyone like else is wearing collared shirts or polo shirts or T-shirts with monkeys on them. Mm-hmm. And then there's one guy with a full-length pea coat. 
It's like a Leonard Banking. Cohen song. Yeah. Yes. All right, let's do some news. California here. Right, right down where we started from. Name the artist. Uh, Anyone? No, I know it. Yeah. This is killing me. Something. I don't remember. Drummer Jason Schwartzman. Yeah, I knew that. I've actually. They once like opened. Like Dinosaur or something? I once saw them open <laughs> for Elvis Costello. Toad the Wet Sprocket? I don't know. They were kind of like a one album wonder. They were Phantom Planet. Yeah, Phantom Planet. And also, that was the theme of the OC. Right. So he. That uh, that, that's in honor of our first news item. But uh, the OC is also in the news because uh, Chino last night, location of where they sold the Powerball, also uh, where the main character from the OC is from, Chino. Never seen Other side of the tracks. I would say that you shoved that into the news. I don't think that, that was organically in the news. Yeah, that was interesting that you told us that info. You were a fan, I guess. I like the OC. I'm okay. also a fan of the Powerball. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, let's do some news. And it is the big news. It is one of the biggest news stories in a long time in the NFL. The Rams are heading back to Los Angeles uh, in 2016. After a 21-year absence, a 21-season absence, they, they're back. The NFL owners in Houston voted 30-2 to two to ratify the Rams' relocation application, an immediate move. Uh, they will open, uh, the, you know, Stan Kroenke, the Rams' owner. It was his proposed stadium site in Inglewood that the owners got behind. So in 2019, the massive uh, megaplex-type stadium that's going to be way more than just a stadium. That's opening in 2019. They will play at L.A. Memorial Coliseum uh, until that stadium opens. The Rams well, are – Not officially. We don't know that yet for sure. I know. No, I don't. Saying. <laughs> it's probably going to be what it probably, is. Probably, yeah. All right, I'll say that. Uh, so the Rams are back. We'll start with the Rams. Uh, Andrew, I know uh, you have ties to the Rams. You're an L.A. guy. Your thoughts? Um, I think this was by far the best move. And I, I want to open here by saying to everyone in St. Louis, as you said, Rams guy, I've done the Rams preseason game Ties. in St. Louis for five years. Ties guy, whatever. Um, the fans, and I grew up a Browns fan. So I hate when a team moves, just on a personal level. We are all here doing this for a living because we are fans. We were raised as fans. We had a connection as kids, to a team. My team was the Browns, and a 95 it ripped my heart out. And I'm still angry about it, to be quite frank. But it happened. So Sessler. So Sessler. Well, yeah, we've talked about it. So I feel for those fans in St. Louis. As, as much as I want to celebrate, right, someone who's been here 15 years, never seen an NFL game in Los Angeles, as much as I want to celebrate this team coming here for a lot of good reasons, you realize that there are people back in St. Louis that are hurting. That said, this was the best plan. And the reason this plan won over Carson is simply, Dan, what you said. I mean, they are going to build not just a stadium. They are going to build the greatest sports complex in America, and that can't be denied. It could be one of, if not the greatest sports complexes in all of the earth. And I know that's overstating it, but you're going to get a stadium. You're going to get a theater. You could get our offices here for NFL Media Group moving there. You're going to get hotels. You're going to get stores. You're going to get restaurants. Anyone who is here in L.A. and knows L.A. Live, imagine L.A. Live but three times bigger and on the west side. It will be a tourist destination 365 days of the year. We could have a Hall of Fame outpost there. And, oh, by the way, one owner is paying for every last penny of it. And that is why – the Rams are here. We could argue about the Chargers and their territory. We could argue about the Raiders and the fact that they don't have a place to play. They're kind of the Airbnb of NFL teams right now. They'll sleep on your couch if you <laughs> let them, right? 
But the reason this is happening is because you have an owner who's saying, by the way, I'm going to build the greatest facility in America. I got this. Don't worry. And that was too good of an offer for the other owners, Dean Spanos, Mark Davis not included, to turn down. Well, that was what annoyed me about this process is all the things that they have to say to get to this point because they – they don't know for sure what's going to happen. Stan Kroenke didn't know until this week if he was going to be allowed to do this, until that vote happened. So they have to play both sides of the fence and say things to the city of St. Louis and pretend to have a good faith uh, attempt at letting them use some public money to make the stadium there. And, you know, the commissioner and everyone else saying how their first priority is keeping the teams in their home market. And you have to keep saying this over and over. You can have Stan Kroenke on the record saying, I would never move to Los Angeles. I mean, he, he, he's done that. He did that only three or four years ago when he took took over the team. And that's, that's what bothers me is it's it's all just money. It did, None of it really mattered in terms of, oh, the Chargers, you know, People like Dean Spano, so they like him more. That didn't really matter. The cross-ownership stuff with when Kroenke used to own a different, you know. You well, that was settled. That was settled. That didn't really matter. Re- nothing really mattered except he was smart enough to buy the land. He's got all the money, and that makes all the sense in the world. But in the meantime, you have to have all this two-faced sort of talking, and a lot of people in St. Louis got it, burned. It didn't play out well, and <clears throat> the fact that there were three teams involved, and now even after this vote in Houston, there's still – uh, uh, teams in limbo. We don't know about uh, what's going on uh, with the Raiders. We don't know about the Chargers. Not officially yet. They're in a worse spot. So How are, they're it, in a worse spot. So like or or it's hold not on. been handled well necessarily. They're in a worse spot. Or you could argue here that with extra funding from the league, that see, I, I don't think the Chargers ever really wanted to be here. I think the Chargers wanted to be here so they could block other teams from being here. The Chargers have for 21 years benefited from not having a team here in Los Angeles. They've been able to have the only NFL team from Mexico to San Francisco, and they've benefited from that, certainly. They didn't want another team here. They've said for years it would kill their business. Well, you know, we have two teams in the Baltimore-Washington area 31 miles apart, those two stadiums. You have three teams, Washington, Baltimore, Philadelphia, 129 miles apart. Mm. The Chargers can't survive, and and San Diego's a pretty darn good market that the league would like to hang on to. Do you really want to be here? And the Rams will make it a compelling economic argument if the Chargers do want to come here. They will make it work for them. But do you want to be the second team? Or if they say, if if their numbers are right that 75% of their fans are down there, they're not going to die on the vine in San Diego with a brand new building. No. And and you can go home. Look, Robert Kraft went home. All right? Everyone's forgotten about it. The Seahawks once moved to Anaheim for 10 days to a high school, all right? They went home. Paul Allen bought them. People forgot about it. You're referring to the Patriots almost moving to Providence. Correct. People forget about it. So. Said they were doing it. Look, it's it's not easy to put this bad blood aside. It isn't. But, and look, if they come here, it's great. But do you guys think we need two teams or one? No. You guys do not need two. I thought the primary takeaway from that press conference was the NFL only wants one team in L.A., both Bob McNair and Art Rooney, who are on the committee, pointed it out and emphasized that we're giving these markets, Oakland and San Diego, another opportunity, and we're giving the teams another opportunity to make it work in those markets. We're giving them $100 million, and the relocation fee is way more than $100 million. It's 550 So I think that's a pretty good offer. I, mean, I feel like at the Hall of Fame there were multiple Tim Brown, former Raiders, mm-hmm. great 
and other players who played for the Rams and Raiders hanging around, to a man, they all said, we do not need two teams in Los Angeles. And they warned against it because the last time they were both in town, the Raiders, if they weren't a playoff team, were playing in front of empty houses by week five. But now, it's a different time. It's, it's such a far different, different time. It is a different time, but this is not a city. This is not a pro football city, number one. And it's not one that's going to guarantee to sell out two stadiums week to week after week. It doesn't have a Chargers fan base. I think they're it the doesn't. least popular team by far out of those three. That's the that's the thing that makes sense. I mean, to a lot of people that are older than us too. The uh, the LA Rams were here for fifty years. That is not a a small uh, bit of time. They and all the market surveys in this process proved everything you just right that there, there's a lot of Rams fans here there's a lot of Rams families there's a lot of Raiders fans there's not many Chargers fans see the, the thing about and the Chargers always said and I, listen I'm not questioning their numbers here I, I'm, I'm curious as to them but they've always said for years that 25 percent of their their fan base and their ticket base is up here to your point the only Charger fans that I know up here West LA are are, are, are displaced San Diegans or are, are San Diego residents that moved up here I don't know really any L.A. people that root for the Chargers because they're the closest team. I, I just don't know that there are a lot of those people around or even if they exist. Well, we'll continue to track this, but for now we know the Rams are coming back, and that will be exciting for this region. You, you gotta, can sense that. You going to let Jack uh, be a Rams fan if he wants to or your boys, Mark? Uh, I will let Luke them do. Well, I, I'm sure they may not even like football after the fact that you know, their dads are gone 90% of the time because of football. <laughs> but if they do, they will choose their own team just okay. like I did. Root for the hometown team. I can't say that enough. I will now say that I will do everything in my power to have him follow the Jets. <laughs> that is because pain. Which is how I was raised, followed dad's team. Yes. <laughs> Led me to years of sadness. Now, that's, that's the thing. I did have a thought when Jack was born. Do I want to uh, bring him into this world of sadness as a Jets fan? However... I think it would be a good bond to have with my son. We'll see how it plays out. Ten-second well, anecdote. My brother and his wife – I know mine are never ten seconds, Greg. Um, <laughs> uh, my brother and his wife negotiated this before childbirth because she has sports. <laughs> she right. has some, some strong allegiances, and he does, and they negotiated. Like, he, the kids can have your baseball team and my football team, and this is actually negotiated. <laughs> That's – Something. I would say one thing because I got killed on the uh, the game day blitz thing for saying that I would let my kids choose. NFL Everyone, now. Game NFL day game day blitz. Everyone's saying, well, you got to make them be the same team as you. If I let them choose and they choose my team, that's the way to do it. If they don't, they don't. But I'm not going to make them be a fan of a team that hasn't won a Super Bowl ever. We'll see. Maybe hey, by then a, they will. A newsflash to, to your brother and, and sister-in-law, who I'm sure are great. The kid's going to have a voice. Not a show, guys. Well, well but hold on. Hold on. It's like religion. And I'm going to go there. It's I it, these parents. Oh, we're gonna let them choose which one. Yeah. No, like give them some identity. Like the, and, and a sports team is identity. You guys decide it. This is raise your kids the way okay. you want them raised. I might says the guy Rams without fan. kids. I might become a Rams fan. Yeah, I'm you're a wearing agent. the colors. Look at that. Yeah. You are a free agent. Mm. All right, let's move on and we'll talk about the Cleveland Browns now. And uh, wow, a lot of stuff cooking with the Browns. Uh, we know what happened. Initially, they hired the man, the myth, the legend, Sashi. Sashi. Ladies and gentlemen, for one night only, Sashi. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was a good graphic, too, wasn't it? I like that yeah, a lot. That was great. I have a theory, Andrew, that he should drop round. Just go by Sashi with an exclamation point. feel like it's good for like, his brand. Like Jeb. Um... 
Then they <laughs> hired no uh, Paul De Podesta. De Podesta. De Podesta. I'm only correcting you me. because Jimmy has You're Italian or half Easter. Italian. I got it. What? Jimmy has him said Paul De Podesto ah. yesterday. So I'm only. <laughs> yeah, he's plugged in. Correcting he's here. barely aware of what's going <laughs> on. Jimmy's plugged in. All right. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he's the money ball guy. And people are like, well, what's going on? But then announced on Wednesday, Hugh Jackson, before even getting on the plane to fly uh, to Jersey to meet with the Giants, the Browns wanted Hugh. Hugh wanted the Browns. Hugh was impressed uh, by his meeting with the front office, so he became the Browns coach. And now you have some real optimism, uh, Mark Sessler, uh, cooking around this franchise because this was their first choice. And let's face it, there would have been a lot of talk and a lot of people would have thought they would struggle to find a coach. Not only did they find a coach, they found somebody that a lot of people think is one of the best on the market. Yeah, I mean, we talked about the best vacancies on NFL Network last week, and it wasn't a joke, but I said the Browns' job would be for someone who was a dreamer who really could see taking what has been a disaster for so long and see the potential in turning it into a winner. And now Hugh Jackson was offered a job and he took it. Maybe if it had happened differently with a different club, he'd be someone else's coach. I'm not saying it's all because of Cleveland, but I buy the fact that there was genuine chemistry between the, group, the search group and Jackson and that Cleveland for the first time in all these countless coaches they've gone and hired seemed organized. They had a target. They went and they achieved it. And I think that Sashi, exclamation point, Sashi. and also Dee Podesta, we're a big asset in this. It sounds like talking to Hugh, hearing from Hugh Jackson that they impressed him, that their vision, they actually have a vision, and that Hugh Jackson brings them a coach with actual experience. He's been all over the place. He's proven it what he does. You know, the one year he had in Oakland, he got one year, but a lot of Raiders fans look back at that as one of the best seasons they've had before maybe this last one. In ages. Paper it is at eight and eight. In ages. So I, I think that, you know, Hugh Jackson seemed genuinely happy to be there. And I think Browns fans, there have been so many third and fourth choices picked. And right. you have to spend the whole offseason. I've done this. You've been here through this, through iterations of this. It's the fourth Browns coach for this podcast. Yeah. And having to get excited about Chudzinski or Petten or fill in the blank. You thrilled about Petten, though. I was. And, but, but I genuinely wanted Petten to succeed. But this is someone where I feel like I just go to sleep at night. I don't need to worry about the Browns. I think Hugh Jackson <laughs> can... He can handle it. I do. That's just how Not I feel. Not only did Hugh Jackson say he was all in on the new front office structure, uh, he went as far as – it was even like shades of Rex Ryan in 2009 as I was watching it, how confident and bold he was. He said it will be it's just a matter of time before other teams start copying the Browns model. Imagine a new coach of the Browns saying something like that at his opening presser after years and years of uh, terrible football. They, he is, to me, it makes sense – or he's a smart hire, not just because he earned a second chance at coaching. Uh, he, pure, he Obviously, he's good at what he does. But because they need somebody to come in with a little bit of swagger, and here comes uh, yeah. this man. I think First time with that. swagger in a long, long time. Maybe Butch Davis? I don't know. Um, I had this exact same conversation with my brother last night. He was saying what you said about the, the whole press conference thing. By the way, swagger is the name of the dog oh, we mascot. <laughs> we right. Know. The yeah. Now they actually have it, For though. the record. Regrettable. I can't stand the name. Um, and I can't stand the word. That said, uh, you mentioned Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan is undefeated in press conferences. He has never lost a press conference. I believe the streak is now 328-0. 
All right, he has never, ever, ever lost a press conference. <laughs> the one after the loss to the Patriots when he wouldn't admit Deion Lewis's name, he lost that one. Is that the that's the one <laughs> well, he lost? He, I mean, right, Deion Lewis with his 19th team. So. If we want to if we want to dig into that, he also lost the one after he left Mark Sanchez in the preseason game and he started talking sideways, <laughs> and everybody <laughs> was like, "What the hell is Rex Ryan?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, he's never not I'll been entertaining. I'll say it backwards. I'll say it sideways. But he starts to Andrew's point, you he's good at the point. press conference. D, I thought. Uh, I'm with you, Mark. I thought Hugh um, said all the right things and struck all the right tones, and, and that's all you want. I mean, you're selling something to a fan base. He said all the right things. He has energy. He has all the things that you knew he had, and he proved that he was still that guy when he got to the podium. The idea of Hugh Jackson, and I will breach NFL Network protocol and mention underclassmen, the idea of Hugh Jackson and Jared Goff Bad boy. at two, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that, that to me is exciting. Now, does that mean they're going back to the playoffs next year? No. Baby steps, little signs of progress. Uh, sure. It remains to be seen, however, if they can get a personnel guy in there because of what we've discussed earlier, the fact that Sashi Brown was given personnel control an hour after Week 17's game ended and that you know Ian Rappaport saying that they've already had interview uh, per, uh, per perspective Interviews blocked this morning because they they're lateral yeah, moves. The Bears scouting director. That that I do have a problem with that power structure. I'm not going to sit here and say Sashi Brown can't pick players. That's not my job to pile on. Sashi. I'm saying thank you for that. <laughs> that the structure there is is curious. Now it didn't affect their coaching search. We don't think Hugh could have been 19th choice. I don't know, but this looks good from the outside. Now it's one step. Yeah, I mean he it. It goes to show, again, the in terms of what's the most attractive job, people take whatever job's available. I mean, that's what Michael Silver said about Hugh Jackson as Dan fixes my uh, sweater. <laughs> well, we're on TV in. now. Oh, I appreciate it. Or the that. Internet. You know, Hugh Jackson didn't want to risk, you know, going for, let's say, the Giants job and, and losing out. It would kill him because he's been in the NFL long enough to know uh, you might not have another job come around. It just might never happen. You might. It's a fickle thing. Who's the hot coordinator at the moment? Different guys are hot. Not Luke on, Fickle. Right. Okay. <laughs> Depe- depending, on, depending on the year. My favorite aspect of all of this is Mark's back in. Let's – yeah. I, I am. I he was I, never out I was at never, all. Oh, he was never yeah, out. But, I mean, but you I, think you know. you're – every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. <laughs> that, in fact uh, – this is You're speechless. Uh-oh. This is Mark. Hope is back, Mark. That's the important thing here. And we, you know, I was writing the post on the press conference uh, for Hugh Jackson, and part of it is, you know, you're recording it and you're transcribing, and I'm I'm typing up things and tweeting it out from the around the NFL handle, and then in my tweet deck feed, here's the old sizzler. For, well, first let's start with this. Let's start with this, Sydney. Let's let's check out some of Mark's tweets. Oh yesterday. boy. All right, first we have this. All right, nice. Okay, Strong. Silver reports it. Strong hire by the Browns. Mark's warming up. Warming up. Warming yeah. up. Then the press conference begins, and this is when I'm shocked. I'm in the middle of writing posts, and Mark's live tweeting the press conference from home off. on his day off. And I said, oh, my God, Mark's in. Is he going to go next level? And I'm waiting for it. Were you wearing a Dennis Northcutt jersey while doing this? <laughs> I uh, I actually own a Dennis Northcutt jersey. Yeah, he's live tweeting. I, know that? These are Hugh Jackson uh, quotes in real time from Mark, and then finally. Well, it, the the quotes say, "I have 142 texts on my phone." I mean, he's just getting yeah, fired no, up. Word for word, and then finally, I knew it was coming. Mark Sessler, for the first time in many many years, 
Browns fans can feel good and proud about is what is happening to this franchise. Sizzler's in. I might have gotten a little overboard there, He's but I in. will say something. The reaction to that was telling because if maybe people in our office started to think a little bit differently about a team that we've called a comprehensive train wreck for years, I still think the fans are not – a lot of the fan base is not sold at all. I got shredded by people for tweeting that. Mm. Well, you also oh, you know be that, shredded. that Twitter – That's when I thought I was out. They, they pulled me back in. You also know Twitter is a vast wasteland of negativity. <laughs> yes, I do. Well, I need to start doing what Wes does. It hit is. that block button. But block them all. I, I, <laughs> the cynic in me does remember you telling me just two weeks ago after they made their coaching move, what's going on with the Browns? I've been hearing you know, behind the scenes. It's worse than everyone possible. Well, I did I, hear that. The yeah. set, no, the setup. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what's going on. This is going to take years to think, and I'm not going to believe it. And you also say this is the first time I've believed in them for many, many years, that there's so much to feel good about. You literally wrote a huge piece called Believe Land oh, right before this Greg, season. You know, you know, cut him some slack, just, all right? Well, but, but Greg, you actually described perfectly, and I, I won't speak for Andrew, but my life cycle as a Browns fan right. is basically the hope only comes in the offseason. Sure. And you ride this thing up and you start to think about the potential. And, oh, maybe their third string guard is really a starter and he's <laughs> hidden behind these other guys. Then the games start and it's all over. And you start thinking around week 10. As you're starting to gear up for a Patriots playoff run, I'm in doomsday scenario. Until the offseason starts, they fire someone. You get your hope back up again. Two things. Two uh, A year ago, they're 7-4. and four. Uh, yeah. Let's not forget that. They're 7-4. and four. They beat the first place Bengals on TNF. Brian Hoyer's running up the tunnel and pumping his fist, and Dante Whitner's hugging people in the first row in Cincinnati. They're 7-4. and four. Exactly 24 months ago, I believe, this week, I walked in to NFL Network. I walked past Mark Sessler's desk, and he says to me, wouldn't Gus Malzahn and Johnny Manziel be <laughs> awesome? It would make them relevant. That's all I want. Just be relevant. Manziel and Gus Malzahn. <laughs> and my brother says to me last night, hey, remember? You said Manziel would make them relevant. I said, and and he did. Yeah. He did. They just didn't win. Not relevant in a good way. Next. <laughs> uh, and speaking of Manziel, we got to move on. But uh, Hugh Jackson, Rap Sheet reported, uh, Hugh Jackson insisted to Jimmy Haslam that they move on from Johnny Manziel uh, and I guess Haslam was initially reluctant, but uh, Hugh uh, convinced him essentially. So look for the Johnny Manziel era to end in Cleveland. We'll get into that as it becomes more apparent. Uh, but let's move on to the other big hire. Um, this one is this one official yet in New York? No, not at all. It's not official. Make it official. <clears throat> but it is very close to official. Ben McAdoo, the offensive coordinator of the Giants, the past two seasons. Uh, rap sheet reports uh, they're in negotiations, final negotiations to make him uh, their new head coach, replacing Tom Coughlin, who, of course, was there uh, for the last 12 seasons, uh, but is coming off four straight years without the playoffs. So they're keeping uh, some continuity, uh, especially on the offset off uh, offensive side of the ball. Eli Manning had uh, gone to the uh, Giants brass and vouched uh, for McAdoo. Uh, the other surprising news to come out of this was that uh, Rap Sheet also reported that Steve Spagnolo, who uh, you know helmed one of the worst defenses in the league, whether that was his fault or more a personnel um, issue is up for debate, and that's fair. But Spags will be back too, so they keep the OC. Most likely they're going to promote him and make him head coach. Spags still in the building. Tom Coughlin out. Your thoughts, Greg? 
what is going on here? Was this really the plan? Tom Coughlin's the entire problem with the Giants? That everything else is good? We got to get rid of Coughlin, and then we're fine. <laughs> McAdoo is such a hot coach that we got to promote him. We got to keep the guy that just gave up the most passing yards in NFL history, right? I, I, want, you to say that. I want you to say that again because f- people overlook that. Most passing yards in NFL history. Thank you. Up. We uh, hammered the Saints all year. The Giants were worse. A, a few years ago, he also helmed the team that gave up the most points in NFL history. That with was the with, Saints. That was with the Saints. <laughs> and so, and you're keeping the guy who has stocked this defense in Spagnuolo's defense with absolutely lousy players at half the starting positions. That's Jerry Reese. So, it was just a strange move that Everything's going to be the same except got to get rid of that problem, Coughlin. And it will really be amazing if Coughlin goes to Philadelphia. And oh, I would oh, love be that. Great. Can we all root for that, please? Yeah. Oh, yes. And this is not an anti-Giants rant here. Now, I, I don't want Tom Coughlin to be in Philadelphia because I want to rub it in the Giants' faces. They, 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 they screwed over Tom Coughlin. No, I just think that would be delicious. It would be great. It, it would be, be great saucy. theater. And, you know, I, it almost feels like, and this is the Giants have earned the benefit of the doubt. They've been so good. Uh, really since the Parcells era in terms of, you know, keeping things, yes. uh, handling things the right way. Uh, but s- this does kind of feel like it was a change for the sake of change just because he had been around so long. And uh, if you are watching on YouTube, they just showed uh, the Odell Beckham headhunting incident against Carolina. I wonder if that was the final straw and the ownership just decided, you know what, this team needs a fresh start. I- I- I'm sick of watching this kind of stuff. Uh, but, Coughlin, yeah, he's going to get another job, it looks like, and the Giants are just settling for the promotion from within. What, I just wonder if this was their plan all along. And if so, kinda, why, why interview five other people? I kind of doubt it, right? but I, I, maybe I they just know. weren't they weren't overwhelmed by any of the other interviews. We'll see. I mean, the little I've heard McAdoo, I mean, the New York media who loves Tom Coughlin will just be ready to pounce on any But they also, any they also like McAdoo. I, see, I, he, here's – I don't mind Ben McAdoo as, as a head coach. I, that, that sounds like a really tepid endorsement. But I've heard enough good <laughs> things about Ben McAdoo. Well, plus, I, he's bringing in Joe Philbin. I, really I get that. The ante. You, and the electricity as well. But the, the, to your point, Greg, my very first reaction last night was, wait a minute. So Tom Coughlin evidently was the only issue. Now, I'm with you on the players, right? And Jerry Reese, you know, the part of the press conference that people aren't focusing on last week or two weeks ago, it, well, people, oh, he, he didn't shake John Mara's hand. All right, move on. The end of the presser when Jerry Reese got exceedingly defensive because, you know, people are asked point blank. And John Mara was asked point blank. Our Kim Jones asked John Mara point blank, why is Jerry Reese here and Tom Coughlin out? And I'm not saying that he needs to be fired, but the only change, Tom Coughlin, to me, just doesn't feel right. It's very weird. I mean, I'll, I'll remember Coughlin saying, had we been 7-9, and nine, I would have fought tooth and nail to keep this job, which was a weird statement. But it's like, did they not know that he was going to turn around right away and look for another job? No. I mean, this sets I, this oh, situation I be, I up. I bet you they did. I bet you, I, I, I bet you they did. It would be great you, if he lands. I mean, they've known him for 12 years. They know exactly who he is. They know that he is going to coach until one day someone tells him, you can't coach anymore. So I bet you they ha- – now, whether or not he was going to get another job, I think that might be the better question because maybe they thought, well, sure, he wants to do something, but I don't think they ever could have envisioned that, you know, the guy down the turnpike mm. is now going to be Tom <laughs> Coughlin. That would be juicy theater, and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to happen. 
I think so. Maybe by the time people hear this. Um, all right, that's what's happening in the news. Andrew Siciliano is the host of this. You know, the big leagues. I mean, this is NFL big Network. You guys are talking part of about. The big leagues. Come on. Uh, he is the host of the Around the NFL uh, television show. It is uh, two hours. Uh, throughout this week, it's five to seven Eastern it is time. All through the playoffs, it is two hours. It is five Yummy. to seven. Uh, what is today? Today's Thursday. That's uh, correct. Well, Jackson will join the program today. Tomorrow, I have zero idea. <laughs> um, and we're here all next week. Although then, I'm actually heading down to East West and Senior Bowl. So humble brag. Around the NFL, I'm just saying. Around the NFL will continue up until the Monday after conference championship games. And it's done. Then it's done, and then we all uh, ship off to San Francisco. Hmm. You've done it again, Andrew. Thank you for stopping by. Thanks, Andrew. Come back soon. Gentlemen, I'm sorry for taking all of Westling's time. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> not right. I've got this cord issue anyway, so it doesn't matter. It's about me. Wes is having some issues with the cord attached to our headsets, and uh, he's in a surly mood. I'm a Mike Hog, and I I take all Westling's times. Chris, the floor is yours. <laughs> well, thank you, Andrew. And I, I think that uh, having you on news is great because you are so plugged in, and right, you were enough. wonderful on the Rams. You're, you're a gentleman and a scholar, and, hey, the first step for me. Take it off the air, guys. I, I admit I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Siciliano. All right. So the news is done, and now we move on to Division Weekend, and we'll start out in New England. Because I know this is a game that we need we need to talk about the Patriots because they have the Kansas City Chiefs coming into their building, a Chiefs team that has won eleven straight, uh, including a thirty to nothing shutout win at Houston last week, uh, embarrassing Bill O'Brien, who, you know, connect the dots, Bill Belichick's boy. They know how to beat a Patriots like team. They showed right. that last year when they destroyed the Patriots. Right, exactly. So then so then you have stuff going on in New England this week. And uh, today, Thursday, Rob Gronkowski sat out another practice with some type of knee issue. You got Bill Belichick with a black eye. You got Chandler Jones wandering conf- in a confused state over to the police station uh, with some on some type of substance. I mean, I don't want to say it's, you know, throne of uh, sleaze slash agony right now is in full effect as this game heads towards us. But actually, I am saying that. I believe the Patriots, I picked the Chiefs in this game. We'll get into our picks later. But guess what? I think a lot of stuff's working against your Pats here. Your thoughts? Well, it's been a terrible week for the Patriots. There's no doubt about that. But the Patriots have thrived very often when things are cooking behind the scenes against them. I don't know if you remember this, um, but there was this whole scandal uh, about the deflated balls last year. That that. That happened right before the playoffs. And they ended up winning the Super Bowl. So I don't think anything that Tom happened. Tom Brady wrote a book, by the way, called If I Did It. <laughs> uh, so I don't think <laughs> any. He did what? Threw a slightly deflated football? <laughs> Give yeah. me a break. I don't think that anything that's happened off the field this week matters. I like that Belichick's in fight and shape right now. He's angry. He's taken, he's taken on the press by saying, what do you want me to do? Photocopy our playbook and send it to Kansas City after, after getting a lot of questions about Chandler Jones and a lot of different questions. He's not in fighting shape. Looks like he lost the fight. Well, he's <laughs> angry. Everyone's a little prickly. The only thing that matters in all this are the injuries. Gronkowski not being 100% is a massive problem. 
We don't know if Chandler Jones and Sebastian Vollmer are going to play. We do expect Julian Edelman, Dante Hightower are going to be back. This team needs to be healthy to have a chance on offense. They have been a lousy offense for the last six weeks of the season, and some of the problems that they have I don't think are magically going to be solved just because Julian Edelman's out there. The interior of their offensive line is basically what it is. It's not about the injuries. It's about that they're not that great and that they're rookies and that they're going to have to go against Don Terry Poe Alan Bailey, Jay Howard, who are playing excellent for Kansas City. And I think it's going to be tough to score on this Kansas City team. They're not the only team with injuries, though. That's fair. The Chiefs' best wide receiver and best running back have not practiced this week. Spencer Ware also battling an ankle injury. Niall Davis closed out last week's game, not Spencer Ware. So this is a major concern as well as he's been running. Well, one thing I noticed watching the coaches' tape of the Chiefs-Texans was – no one really noticed Tamba Ali is far from 100%. He barely played last week. Uh, Justin Houston did not have a great game rushing the passer, did not make any sort of headway against a backup left tackle for the Texans, and D. Ford is not 100%. He's playing all the snaps, but he's been on the injury report. So what makes the Chiefs special is their entire defensive line, and the guys in the middle right now are great. Don Terry Poe is on fire right now. Did not start off the season well, but he's on fire. But the guys on the outside, where Vollmer, for instance, is, and, and where the Patriots have struggled to protect Tom Brady too, they are not 100%. Yeah, I mean, Brady's been sacked the third most of any season in his career. And you talk all year about, oh, the Patriots have the most line combinations and they found a way to make it work. NFL history. But I I do think that that they are much more vulnerable than a Patriots playoff team we've seen in recent past. And and the Chiefs, the question for me, if Macklin is out and if the running backs aren't 100%, is if the Patriots get out to a quick start, I, I don't think that this Chiefs team is built to really come from behind necessarily. They, they want to get ahead and manage the game and use their defense to kind of squeeze the life out of teams like they did last week. That was an absolute Andy Reid fever dream, what we saw against the Texans. Nothing could have been put on paper any better than that. But I don't know if you do that against the Patriots, but what do you point to with New England that says they're going to get that early well, lead? that's what I mean. I mean, I think everything is – listen, the Patriots, they prove people wrong every January. But the way this is setting up, it just it feels like the Chiefs are in a great spot that the the Pats and especially if this if Gronk is actually hurt and he's limited or God forbid throwing of sleeves doesn't play the Patriots they're done they're not gonna they're not gonna score enough points if Gronk isn't on the field making plays he's that important to this offense and I just think that in a, a low scoring game you know a 2014 a 2017 type game I like the Chiefs who are finding a way to win every week for almost three months they're a tough opponent but you said what do we have to point to. The last 15 years, the greatest quarterback of all time, one of the greatest coaches of all time, a team that I maybe it's – I don't know if you can make this a factor, but a team that knows ultimately those December games aren't as meaningful as the January games and has a history of playing better in January. So that's, as a Patriots fan, what I'm pointing to. In addition to, I feel good about this defense, certainly against Kansas City. This is the team I was hoping to play, either Kansas City or Houston, because – this Kansas City Chiefs offense is not playing that well lately. It's fine. It, I mean, it's, it's a solid offense that can run the ball well, but Alex Smith is making too many mistakes, four interceptions over the last three weeks that were not uh, anyone else's fault but Alex Smith. And they're only throwing the ball 22, 25 times a game. He cannot make those sort of mistakes against New England. And this is the best Patriots defense I've seen 
in 11 years, and they're mostly healthy. We're not, we're not totally sure about Chandler Jones, but they got a pass rush. They got a nice secondary. They can mix up a lot of things uh, with their linebackers, and, and I like their chances of holding the Chiefs down to 10, 13 points, something like that. I mean, like you that. seem supremely confident to me. I mean, if they ever drop this, would this be – where would this rank as the most disappointing playoff loss for this Belichick-Brady combo? Because this is a team – you think, uh, you know, half, mid, mid, midway through the season that the, the New England would finish the year falling to Kansas City in the playoffs? That would be highly disappointing. Yeah, losing a game to the Chiefs and Alex Smith at home in the playoffs would be hugely disappointing. I mean, it, it's buffered by the fact that they won the Super Bowl last year. That kind of gives you a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a, stri- a little bit of a feeling like, well, you know, they got it last year. This year wasn't meant to be. But to lose to the Chiefs would be disappointing, although it wouldn't be as disappointing as losing to the Broncos or losing in the Super Bowl. That's the highest level of pain. Who's the player? It's true. Yeah. Who's the player on uh, the Chiefs, West who could make a difference and uh, swing this game potentially that people aren't talking about? Well, I think Travis Kelsey. We, we haven't mentioned his name, but if Gronk isn't 100%, you're going to see the closest replica to Gronk on the other side of the field. I mean, he was dynamite against the Texans, and he's – I think just as good as Gronk after the catch. I like that you're bringing Dynamite back. How about Marcus Peters? Yeah, I think he's an interesting guy to watch, if, especially if he's against Edelman, uh, who plays on the outside a lot more than people seem to realize, and, and so that's where Peters is going to be. Peters gives up a lot of big plays and makes a lot of big plays, so he's he's someone that's always in the middle of the action, whether it's good or bad. He played off De- uh, DeAndre Hopkins last week. If he plays off Edelman, the Patriots are going to feast. Mm. There's something special going on in Kansas City, though. That is what I'm leaning on, ultimately. This is all I have left. You guys know that. I mean, after what happened uh, with the Jets, you know, the Patriots winning another Super Bowl would be too much for me to bear. So (laughs) I think this is a point. If the Pats get by this game, they play really well. They got the momentum again, and you could see them rolling uh, into San Francisco. This is the chance, I think, uh, for them to go down. And I will rely on the – Almost out uh, out of these now, Wes. I know you'll be excited. The 2015 <laughs> season divisional research notes. The Blues. The Chiefs have won 11 straight games. We know that. Their longest winning streak in team history. Over that 11-game span, the Chiefs are averaging 28 points a game. They're allowing less than 12 points a game. So not only are they scoring points, this is working on both sides. This is a special run this team is on. So tomato I think, cans. I what's that? Tomato cans. Hmm. That's I don't wow. understand how you can say that in the NFL. A team going on an eleven game winning streak is ever going to be considered a tomato can? It's extremely. No, they're not tomato cans. The team they beat have been. Tomato. Yeah, they. It's oh, okay. extremely impressive to win eleven games straight, but they're they haven't beaten the Patriots during that span. Well, let's now go around the room. Then let's see if anyone agrees with me. Uh, we'll start with Mark. Give us your pick. In this game and the score. I, I cannot. I've done this before. I picked the Patriots to not make the playoffs before the season, and I'm pay, paying sandwiches because of it. I still don't know why you did that. I don't know why I did it. So I'm not going to do it again. They're going to win this game. It's not going to be. We talked about can they drop a 40-burger. No, they can't. They're going to win this game 24-21, and I think the Chiefs are going to make this a very interesting contest. I have a lot of respect for Kansas City. Wes? Patriots confidently and with gusto. <laughs> Julian Edelman is a difference maker. Rob Gronkowski, rap sheet tells us 
seems like it's, it's a bit of a precaution with the practice stuff. His understanding is Gronk will be fine for this weekend. Danny Amendola, Tom Brady's going to be taking these quick ste- these quick drops, throwing real quick passes to Edelman, Amendola, and Gronk. I feel like they're going to be fine. Score. Patriots 31, Chiefs 23. All right. I believe the Chiefs will knock off the Patriots 20-14. Uh, to 14. Their mm. defense gets a stop uh, in the final possession. I think the Chiefs' safeties maybe show up as a bit of a problem. Abdullah and Tyvon Branch on the field for a ton of snaps last week. Patriots defense plays great. 23 to 10. I think uh I think the defense is is a little underrated right now. All right, there you go. Let's move on now to the second game on Saturday. This is an 8:15 p.m. kickoff Eastern Time with Allen Chris, the Green Bay Packers heading to Arizona to face the Cardinals and we know what happened. It was I believe less than a month ago that the uh, Packers are absolutely embarrassed by the Cardinals uh, in a blowout loss that really had people wondering if the Packers were completely done. But then we see what happens. You can't figure out football, uh, like John Sterling said. Uh, Can't figure it out because all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense looked like Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense against the Redskins went off. Uh, So they looked great last week. So now you, you ask yourself, uh, Greg Rosenthal, will that Green Bay Packers offense show up against the Cardinals or will it be a lot like what happened last time where the Cardinals are a much better team and they'll play like it in their building? I don't think you can expect that sort of dominance from the Cardinals, but I do think the problems that the Packers have showed for three months will eventually show up in this game. No team blitzes more than the Cardinals. No team has really struggled with the blitz uh, more than this Packers team in terms of comparing it to other Packers teams. And I think ultimately the defense is coming after them wave after wave. They'll force a couple turnovers and the Cardinals uh, will be fine. It will look like that game from a few weeks ago. Yeah, both coaches are downplaying what happened in the previous game. That was such a comprehensive beatdown. that In the first half of that game, the Packers punter had a seven-yard run. That was their longest run in the first half. <laughs> they had It was the worst, the worst loss of Aaron Rodgers' career in the Packers' era. And Bruce Arians has downplayed it as a couple of fumbles bounced our way. But that was a comprehensive beatdown. And, and I wrote this preview for our site. And in the three years I've been writing previews, this was the one where I couldn't – I mean, I tried to make an, a, a, a case for the Packers to win, and I just can't do it. I'm with you. I mean, you think that the story of this year's Cardinals is going to be week 17 we get waxed by Seattle, and then we're going to go drop our home playoff game to this Green Bay Packers team? That's not how the team of ATL has got to go it out. It is absolutely uh-uh. not how they uh-uh. operate. And that is that oh, Seattle no. game was a little strange – but it's the only time oh, all season. Oh, hell no. <laughs> what was that? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Very concerning. Was it's the only right? time all year, though, that they did not really look prepared and seem completely outclassed. I, They're not going to do that this week. I look at the Packers' offense, and Calais Campbell had the game of the season against them. Two and a half sacks, three or four plays behind the line of scrimmage in addition to that. Drew two holding penalties. They're going to shut down the running game. I feel confident about that. And then you got Patrick Peterson eliminating James Jones because physically James Jones is, is not in the same neighborhood as Patrick Peterson. Devontae Adams isn't even playing, probably. So Randall Cobb, who hasn't had a 100-yard game in 15 weeks, 
is going to be the wild card there. I don't I don't know a- if I Aberderis, I think you know, I think Rodgers has said he wanted him on the field more even before the Adams injury. He's going to be on the You field mean our more. making the leap candidate yeah, for next June? Exactly. I think if you were going to make a case for the Packers, it is the running game because everyone's saying Aaron Rodgers looked like Aaron Rodgers last week. Aaron Rodgers made one nice uh, throw improvised to James Jones that really kick-started their first touchdown drive. He was very solid and efficient the rest of the game. He was smart, but it was the running game that took over. And when the Packers have been good over the last second half of the season, it's when they can get these these Chiefs-like 12, 13-play drives, keep Carson Palmer off the field. Maybe you can run against this Cardinals front, which is good, but I don't think it's the most dominant part of their team. Kind of slow the game down and just hope for a relatively low-scoring game. But this this 38-8 to eight score, it's hard to move past that because I, I went and looked at my little uh, quarterback index ratings. Don't call it little. It's, you know, it's something I had that as the substantial. Fourth, I had that as the fourth-worst Carson Palmer game of the year. Now, he did nothing wrong in that game, but basically Carson Palmer, who's been one of, if not the best quarterbacks in the league, didn't have to do much of anything for his team to beat the Packers by 30. And I think that home field advantage is a real thing. I think that's one of the toughest places to play. One thing about Bruce Arians, you can look at when he was with the Steelers. You can look at the one playoff game when he was the coordinator with the Browns. And it's going to happen this weekend, too. He he turns up the aggressive factor in the playoffs. He's going to throw the ball a ton. And I I guarantee the Packers' pass defense, what is it, six best in the league? It's not a disaster on any level, but – there are too many healthy, good players on Arizona's offense to prevent big plays from happening, and Green Bay is not going to catch up if they get behind in this. This offense is a juggernaut. I mean, not enough people are talking about that going into the playoffs. That Since week 13, when David Johnson took over for Chris Johnson, he leads the NFL in yards for scrimmage. You've got three wide receivers perfectly capable of putting a 200-yard game on you, and Michael Floyd, John Brown, and Larry Fitzgerald. They've got so many weapons, and Carson Palmer th- passed the ball better than any quarterback in the NFL this season. <laughs> This this offense should score 30 or 40 points. That, and that's ultimately why it's very hard to pick the Packers because they're going to have to win a shootout on the road against the Cardinals. And, I mean, a lot of – obviously a lot's been made about Jordy Nelson and how his loss uh, was the catalyst for everything that went wrong with Green Bay's offense, which before Nelson got hurt, I remember on this very podcast we were talking about maybe that offense could challenge what Denver did a couple of years ago. Uh, but it's been more than Jordy Nelson, and I think the only way they can hang in a shootout is if some weird things happen. They're going to need Eddie Lacy to look like the Eddie Lacy of the second half of last season. They're going to need Eddie Lacy to have 150 total uh, yards from scrimmage. They're going to need him to get in the end zone. They're going to need Randall Cobb to somehow get separation. Uh, you're going to need James Jones to make a play against Patrick Peterson. These are not easy things to do, but all this stuff has to click, and then Aaron Rodgers has to drop a bomb. Aaron Rodgers, who we've talked about, being the ultimate quarterback in at the height of his powers. He has missed too many throws this season. He needs to absolutely be perfect, and that's the only way they can steal this game. They, they need a, a special teams touchdown or a defensive touchdown, some sort of turnover yep. early, get a little bit of a lead, and then if you want to make the case for the Packers – you know, the Cardinals do not have, a, not have a lot of experience winning playoff games. They haven't done it under Bruce Arians because they, they've only had that one chance with, with Ryan Lindley. Carson Palmer's 36 years old. 
we give Andy Dalton, you know, grief for never winning a playoff game. Carson Palmer has never won a playoff game. Am I right? I mean, that's, well, I mean, come on. He was, not, up, he was up 10 to nothing when he got his. I'm, I'm just true, right. My, my point is, my point is, this is an organization that hasn't had experience. And if experience matters whatsoever, you're facing the most experienced team in the NFC, the most experienced quarterback. I think that's where it matters more that you could expect. Maybe you could get a great Aaron Rodgers performance to make it tough on them. And if you just get a couple breaks and, and luck does matter in the playoffs sometime, can the Packers get a lead, start really feeling good about themselves after what happened last week? Their defense has played pretty well lately. I mean, they've got players on defense. It is not an easy matchup for the Cardinals offense. I obviously give them the edge, but I think the Packers are a legit top 10 defense right now. Pepper's playing well. Neal's playing well. Daniel's playing well. Overall, it's a pretty solid defense, and you just hope you, you maybe get lucky with a tip pass. You get a little lead, and you got a chance. All There's right. the case. <laughs> it's not a very strong one at all. No. Well, you tried, Greg. I tried, Did a good job. Yeah. I tried, but I can't do it. Let's go around the horn now. That was as strong as Kaczynski's case in making a murder. Ooh. (laughs) Well well played. No spoilers. Still on episode three. Thank you. I actually decided to give up on it last night. It was a tough decision. I gave up on nine. Three and a half episodes. Mm. Why am I Mm. not going to put myself through this anymore? Interesting decision. Uh, (laughs) Greg, always counterculture. Let's make our picks now, starting with Quiet Storm. I mean, you mentioned that Bengals game. Well, it's counter. Wait, it's counterculture because you are a guy that you like to like. Oh, everyone's into this. Well, I'm into that. So, uh, mm. you know, the everyone is like, oh, Making the Murder is so good on uh, Netflix. It is good. Let's <laughs> let's let's binge watch it. You're like, yeah, I'd rather check out, you know, the Pixies uh, live in Budokan. <laughs> I gave it a three and a half hours of my life. That's like longer than any movie ever made, just about. You know what I'm saying, though. Oh, counterculture, Greg. I don't think that makes sense <laughs> in this context. You're a hipster. You're not dressed like a hipster today, but you, you know, you're kind of a hipster. That's nothing to do with making a murder. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Quiet storm. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that Bengals game where Palmer went down, and unless something like that happens, I don't see this offense being slowed down. Nice argument, Greg. You did, you did, a, you did a fair job there, but it's just that this is what – the Cardinals have been priming for all season. Next week we can talk. Maybe things change there in Carolina, but it ain't happening this time. They're going to win 38-14. to 14. Whoa. Whoa, blowout. Chris Wessling. I think any of our listeners who have been with us for a couple of years have probably deduced that we respect the Packers. This is one of the teams where we like their quarterback, we like their coach, we like the organization. We tend to give them the benefit of the doubt. But Packers, it's not your year. Sorry, it's just not your year. Nope. You are a flawed team, and you have been for three months. You're broken beyond repair at this point, I believe, just because you beat a bad Redskins team or a mediocre Redskins team. Jumping off that Redskins bandwagon, yeah. they were ah. mediocre. I never oh, no. said they were a good team. Got the best quarterback the of all time. Do we have a Do we have a sound of the Cousins bandwagon <laughs> crashing as people Look. scream in the midst of fire? It's over, Cousins. You had your play. The, play the tape back from every debate we had about the Redskins, and all I ever said I know, was I they know. were as good as any yeah. NFC East team. We're just playing with you, Wesling. Cardinals win 37-13. Wow! Right wow. by almost Mark's. the same score. Um. I will give the Packers credit for not completely flaming out and losing in wild card week, and I think a lot of people saw that as a possibility. Uh, so I give them credit for that. And so the, the season isn't, by Packers' terms, an embarrassment if they get beat here. Unless they get blown out, I don't think they'll get blown out, though. I think they will, um, they will score some points here uh, to make it look respectable, but ultimately uh, this is the team of around the NFL, after all. Team of 
So, hell, I ain't picking against them. Cardinals, 38-28. Yeah, yeah, newsflash. I'm not picking against the Cardinals the rest of the year. It doesn't matter who they're playing. Oh, yeah. Including the Patriots. Bang. Uh, the Cardinals, I do think the, the, the Packers, I have a feeling they'll somehow make it interesting for a half, but then the Cardinals pull away 31-17. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I could even see the, the, the Green Bay scoring early, and there's some you know uneasiness in the crowd, but then just the – you know how good the Cardinals are. They they take control. We'll see how it plays out. <laughs> that's that's the fun part, guys. It is. We get to watch it. It's a very special. All humans honor. do. Uh, well, the humans that are interested. Yeah. And are privileged enough to either be at the game, have a television, or be at a bar. That's something. fair. When I say all humans, I have not covered my bases because plenty will not be. They don't even know this game is happening on any right. level. Especially babies. Babies don't care. They, <laughs> babies could care less. Let's move on to Sunday. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, they have won the NFC back-to-back uh, -back seasons. They have not lost a playoff game in the NFC since the 2012 season, uh, but now they head to Carolina to face Charlotte, to be you know accurate, to face the Panthers, a team that went 15-1 and won this season. They won the they, – uh, they nailed the, the top seed. They, uh, they went 8-0 in their building. They're blowing out teams uh, – every week at their building by the end of the season, not playing great teams, but they playing with a, a high level of confidence. And you assume that you'll see that come through here, but these are Chris Wessling, the Seattle Seahawks, a team that we cannot overlook. They snuck by the Vikings uh, with the help of the football gods uh, last weekend, but zero degree temperatures, blah, blah, blah. Now they get a team in the Panthers that will give them everything they can handle. Your thoughts about this game. I love this game. It's the hardest game to pick. It's two teams I really respect and like watching. Two well-rounded teams. Two teams with really hot quarterbacks learning to play from the pocket and already were massive threats outside of the pocket. Uh, I give the Seahawks a little bit of an edge because I defy you to look at the Panthers' schedule and tell me, outside of the Seahawks, what's the good defense that Cam Newton beat? It, th their schedule reads like a list of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. But that's not their fault. And I'm just saying. And but they you, were dominant. Have they been tested? Yeah, again, in Seattle. In and week six when the Seahawks weren't the same team that they are now. That's fair, but really the only difference on defense was Bobby Wagner missed that game, which was actually a big factor. They weren't playing the same. Cam Chancellor wasn't playing nearly as well then. Uh, and I don't think Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman were playing as well at that point in the season. That's fine. I, I agree. I don't think Carolina was playing as well either. They closed uh, the season offensively better than ever. This could be a Super Bowl, or it should be the Super I mean, a lot of years the Super Bowl matchup is not nearly as good as this. I think these are two of the three best teams in the league. This is certainly the game of the weekend. It's one of the best divisional round matchups you can you can imagine. This is the early game on Sunday. All four of us are are in. I want to, you know, we got to be, we should be excited to be watching this. All, I our, am. Our, fo our focus. I mean, this is a treat for us. No <laughs> what are you talking about? No like? chit-chatting with the photo department during this game. Oh, I knew oh, that yeah. was going to come up. Wait, this what? Was, no, what this was from last week when I was trying to be, you know, a man of the people and a nice person and chatting with someone in photo during a absolutely boring playoff game that was out of whack at that point. And it, Greg. Which game? The Redskins-Packers game late in it. I didn't it got it. this obviously got on Greg's radar, and I didn't hear about it till now on a videotape <laughs> segment for NFL. Wait a second. So you thought that Mark was being a little chatterbox and wasn't I'm, watching? I'm joking. Mark's the, his duty. I'm joking. Mark's the one that brought it up. Uh, 
that that very night, I think, talking about it. Uh, you know that you had a delightful chat with one of our photo editors, and it's now become a thing. No, my point is this: How much how better did we get here? How much better could a game get than two teams that are mirror images, two of the best defense in the league? The Wilson and Cam Newton to end the season the last seven weeks combined for 49 touchdowns and two interceptions. So they are about as hot going into the playoffs as any two quarterbacks have ever been in NFL history. And they're going up against each other, and they both have really tough matchups against defenses that are talented at, at all three levels. I mean, Keekley and Davis playing well. I mean, it's, it's just as good as it gets. That it, doesn't get you excited. You're beyond hope. Yeah, I wish this was the Saturday night game because I just think that, that I actually have that game off, and I want it to be as exciting as last Saturday night, Bengals-Steelers. And that game, that Arizona game is going to be a big old wipeout, going to be over by the third quarter. This one and we say this, it seems like, every year about the Seahawks under Pete Carroll. They aren't the team they were back a month or two in the season. And no team does a better job outside of New England of finding itself by playoff time, getting itself together. This thing, I don't want to say it reminds me of two years ago when the Panthers had an excellent season, won the division, went into the divisional round at home as the favorite, and they got pounded by the Niners, a more physical team. It's not that situation. Better but team now. This is a better team, but they. I feel like you go 15-1 and one and you drew this as your game. That's tough. This is dangerous, and I don't see Carolina as a favorite on any level. This is a t- You could pick them here. They're more talented on defense, the Seahawks are. I really believe that. This is the best defense of our lifetime that, that I've seen in terms of consistency. I mean, statistically, it is. Over, over a four-year period, three- or four-year period, Bruce Irvin is playing really well. Michael Bennett was unblockable last week. Cliff Averill. Cliff Averill had a monster season. The Cliff Averill. A.J. Wright. The Cliff Averill game against the Panthers the first time around, that is almost right there with Calais Campbell against the Packers. Cliff Averill ruined that game for three quarters, and, and still the Seahawks, it's a tough, it's a really tough matchup for them because the Panthers' offense is so hard to prepare for. They, they have so many different little setups where you got – Stewart and Tolbert, and then you got Stewart and one of the tight ends, and you have the different formations, and it all looks the same. And then you have Cam Newton in the middle of that, and they take advantage of Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill's aggressiveness. They can, you know, do the the sweep with Brown or anything they want to do. They're they're so good, Mike Shula. You call that, that Shula game. magic? Is it is. It's so hard to prepare for that you have to give them credit. I think their offense has been the best in the league. Well, yeah, and they have been. Uh, they are first in offense and scoring thirty almost thirty uh, one points a game. In fact, and and you guys are giving the Seahawks a lot of credit, and it's good that you are, and I am too. I mean, they're a great team. They're they're a champion in this conference, uh, but I just think that we need to give the Panthers the benefit of the doubt in this game. I think this is a special season in Charlotte, and I would be shocked if they in their building in their first playoff game in this special MVP season for Cam Newton that we don't get not a good game from Cam Newton, a great game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference. I think Newton has hit that level as a pro right now where he is just in a lock, locked-in mode. And even though Seattle has historically great defense, I think he's still going to make plays both of his legs and through the air. And that's why I think uh, the Carolina Panthers will move on. I look at it the exact opposite way. We need to give the Seahawks the benefit of the doubt. You don't underestimate the heart of a champion. Back-to-back NFC champions. I have so much respect for the mental toughness of Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor. Don't say Michael Bennett. The way they played last week, Sherman and Thomas making huge, big physical hits on big plays. I mean, those guys refuse to lose. And Russell Wilson is the same way. The mental toughness of the Seattle Seahawks has my respect. 
Totally. That game last week wouldn't have even come down to that final Blair Walsh field goal. Had Seattle not early on, their punter, the gaff where he ran for it, and then Minnesota put up an easy field goal. They Seattle would have just won the game flat out. And that was well, not I wouldn't. Game. I'm not going to say that the Viking or Seattle burn the game tape. This is this that was a crazy game, but yeah, they, there's no reason the Vikings shouldn't be playing in playing in this. Oh game. yeah, Let's they, be sh- they should be. This. The Seattle Seahawks are incredibly fortunate that they're even involved Absolutely. in this. Right, game. but it also playing with house money. Good. Right, and it also was a game that, like you said, you can't even look at anything that happened. And I called about talked about Tyler Lockett last week as someone that could make a difference, and he didn't because it was freaking colder than anything on the planet. But I think this week Tyler Lockett again is a big game. Factor. It was colder in other parts of the planet, though. <laughs> I keep making Antarctica. incorrect statements about the globe. You know what I like, though, is that this game, when they played the first time around, was chippy. And you, you said you wish it was on Saturday night. I think we're I don't think we're going to have anything crazy like that with coaches on the field. But these are two hard-nosed teams that have a history against each other. This is going to be the sixth time they've played in four years. It's going to be the fourth time they've played in the last two years. Every single one of those games has come down to the last possession, except for one. Uh, usually the Seahawks are the, are the team that makes the play at the end of the game. This year, it was the Panthers who went right up and down the field twice in the fourth quarter. I just think the styles of their both teams sets it up that I'd be shocked if we're not there with three or four minutes left in the game and it's totally up in the air and we're watching one of these teams trying to make a drive on another great defense. It's the two teams that run the read option the most in the entire league. I mean, it's just everything about it's cool, and I'd be stunned if we didn't get a great Didn't the Seahawks talk about the Panthers as a somewhat of a mirror-type team to themselves? It, and and since are. Rivera got to Carolina, these two teams have played a series of really tight defensive battles that come down to the last score. Have we even talked about Marshawn Lynch, by the way? I mean, no. We'll see if he was supposed to play last week. He pulled himself out, said he wasn't ready after the abdominal surgery. He's practicing again. We might see Lynch... That is a wild card in this game, too. We don't know how much. We, he could be a decoy in this game for all we know. Is he even better than Kristen Michael right now, who's been running really well? Well, they yeah. have both. That's the great thing. Yeah. I mean, you've got another I think guy. you would see, if Lynch played, you'd see a lot of both of them. All right, let's pick the game. We'll start with Mark. I think this is going to be absolutely enjoyable to watch, and I would love for them to put the picks up so I remember who I picked. But I am going to go with – here they are. Listen – I don't care what I put on the screen. I am going to go with the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> All right, the fans no, got it wrong. wrong. No, you know what? I'm going to switch that. I'm going to switch that because Seattle's going to win this the game. The timing was Whoa. perfect. Seattle is going to win this game. If you're watching on the, uh, if you're listening on the podcast, the second Mark said that, Sydney flashed <laughs> up the opposite pick on the board. That was fitting for Mark's picks this year. Sydney knows where I was when I sent all this information in yesterday, it's and it true. was in pure chaos. Some sort of like amusement <clears throat> park, children's playground in the middle of a mall. I mean, there's, n- <laughs> there's, think my mind doesn't work in that situation. But I put the Panthers on screen here, but I'm going to switch that, and I think that Seattle is going to win 29-28 in a game to remember for all time. <laughs> all right, Wes. I, I know it sounds like I don't respect the Panthers enough. I do. I love watching them play. It's one of my favorite teams of the past three years. But I think the difference in this game is twofold. <clears throat> Seattle's advantage in the secondary is decisive, in my opinion. And I think they, the Panthers just haven't been tested. I really don't believe they have. They're missing two of their cornerbacks now. In the second half of the season, they haven't played a single good team. And the Seahawks have beaten the Cardinals. They've played the Cardinals twice. they played the Vikings twice. they played the Steelers. They're playing playoff teams, and they're doing pretty well. So I'm picking the Seahawks. Score. 27-23. Mm, 
The Seattle Seahawks will take a lead into the fourth quarter, and Cam Newton will save the day, be a hero, 24-21 Panthers. Mm. Yeah, I don't have any strong feeling other than this is going to be a great game. I am going to stick with the home team and the Panthers. Uh, this is kind of that game where you have to get over the hump by being beating the team that's been there for a while. I think the Panthers are ready to make that step. Nothing would surprise me, but I'll go 24-23 Panthers. Saucy, which takes us, gentlemen, to the final game of Wild Card Weekend. Uh, you know, this is the game that a lot of people are trying to figure out what's going on with this game because you got Ben Roethlisberger, uh, has, as he's the first to tell you, has torn ligaments in his throwing <laughs> shoulder. He has a dislocated shoulder. The whole thing is all jacked up. Uh, he's going to try to play in this game. It remains to be seen if he will play. Uh, and on the other side, the, the number one seed Denver Broncos, led by, of course, Peyton Manning. And we talked about it on Tuesday, how this, in a year where there's been you know too many injuries and some negative stories and just it hasn't been the greatest uh, NFL season, Having Peyton Manning involved right now adds a lot of uh, stakes and drama. So we're going to see what we get from Peyton Manning in a huge game. Uh, Peyton Manning is no stranger to failure in the divisional round of the playoffs. Uh, so we'll see if he can overcome some demons. We'll see if he can still throw the ball. Another fascinating matchup uh, made almost impossible to pick because we don't know what's going on with Roethlisberger and Mark Sessler. Well, I want to know, I mean, what we also don't know is how healthy will Antonio Brown be? Will he even play? Uh, you've got your situation in the backfield as well with D'Angelo Williams. If you start stripping away these major parts from Pittsburgh's offense, then Big Ben alone can't save the day. If, if these guys are on the field when this happens on Sunday, then I'm going to go Pittsburgh. And I really just, it, for me, it boils down to the fact that I have seen Ben Roethlisberger do this too many times in the regular season, in the playoffs. I don't care where the game is taking place. For me, Big Ben is just that kind of guy that him alone would have me picking over. The whole Peyton Manning thing, it is a nice narrative, but I am not convinced we're going to get Peyton Manning of, of two seasons ago, Nobody which is, is what we need. I mean, he had 69 yards passing on six drives. So you're counting on that running game being what it was when he came in off the fi- off the off the bench, and I don't I don't really see that happening necessarily. So I'm going to go Pittsburgh in this one in an interesting game. It's so hard to analyze this game because you could have Landry Jones handing off to Jordan Todman and throwing passes to Darius Hayward Bay. Yeah, we don't know. I we it would be stunning if Ben Roethlisberger is not playing in this game. I think we all expect. Well, he could play. But he might not be able to throw. So if he can't throw downfield, which, by the way, is his bread and butter, he's the bomber and he's got all those uh, skill players to make plays downfield, this is going to be a totally different offense. And, Wes, you told me last week you weren't concerned at all about the Steelers' offense going into the playoffs because they weren't quite the same the last couple of weeks. Well, they weren't the same last week. They didn't score in their first five drives. They scored one touchdown with Ben Roethlisberger in the game in about a, in ten drives, I think, through three quarters. Uh, their first field goal was only off a turnover, and and they they were shut down. Even when they did move the ball, they weren't shut down. They were up fifteen. They scored fifteen no. points in three quarters. Yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't a great crazy. defense they played. Yeah, but it was the defense that set them up with all those drives over and they over. They got another great defense this week. Yeah, and they, they played a good defense. They're going to play another one. What my they had a very conservative game plan last week, and you would think maybe they're going to do it again. They ran the ball a lot, and I don't think Toussaint and Todman were a problem at all. They looked no. They, they look pretty good. They ran the ball fairly well, and they weren't throwing the ball down the field even before the injury. So 
the Steelers offense hasn't been quite as explosive. And now you have to play what, what I think we've all believed throughout the season has been the best defense in the league. It, that's easy. true. That's true. But the Broncos have to play against a really improved defense. Steelers defense looks pretty good the last few years. Yeah. And you are very high on the way Ryan Shazier is playing. Lawrence Timmons is playing really well. Their secondary is playing better. But Shazier looks like a difference maker. He does. Hayward's playing well. The first matchup that they had, Hayward really had a monster game. I know that the score ended up getting very high. Osweiler was the quarterback, so it's very different. They scored three or four straight possessions in the first half, and then and then they were shut down. But I, I agree. I think the Steelers have enough talent on defense to have one or two great games here and win the game for them, and that this game is another uh, low-scoring AFC game. Both of these games could be in the teens. What if um, Peyton Manning throws a pick six and it's late in the second quarter, and Pittsburgh's up 10 nothing. Does Peyton Manning get benched here? Oh, I thought you were going to say, does Joey Porter crab walk into, <laughs> Willi- into William Gay's arm? That's his move. <laughs> He's, he should be put in a straitjacket. <laughs> I think going to let him on the sideline. I think there is an absolutely a possibility of that because Kubiak, if anything, to his credit, has never married himself to one of these quarterbacks. And if it's coming down to the point where you're halfway through this game, Manning does not look right, and he's – doing the turnover thing like he did so often when he was on the field earlier in the year. Yeah, why not? It's You can almost picture it, uh, and it, you know, it makes you think of the, the um, famous shot of Joe Namath on the bench for the L.A. Rams at the end of his career, some type of sad Peyton Manning shot bench in the third Johnny quarter. Johnny Unitas, too. Yeah, and it's 17-6 to six, uh, late in the fourth quarter, and Manning's just sulking on the bench, and that's it. You could totally see that. You know, I choose to to kind of look at, to me, what would be a fun, exciting way to look at it, that maybe he, he makes some plays in this game and, and they find a way to make it happen. I, I wouldn't be shocked. I almost feel like there is a chance that he does have one more game in him where he does some things and uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers team that has some issues right now that they can move on. Uh, but I'm, I don't feel strong about it. This game is – this one's the hardest. For me, this is the hardest one to pick. Mm. If, if, if Ben Roethlisberger's in uniform – I don't care what kind of condition his arms arms in. I'm going to have more confidence in him than Peyton. Absolutely. I agree, but it's a different offense without Antonio Brown. I mean, this is one of the best receivers of the last 10 years, Antonio Brown, at the peak of his powers. Pretty much the main reason why they beat the Broncos was because Antonio Brown destroyed Chris Harris over and over again. And Chris Harris kept getting so frustrated after each one of those plays because he was in good coverage. <laughs> it, it took – Two guys that are at the absolute best at what they do, Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown, just being perfect to beat someone like Chris Harris. So are you going to get that type of performance out of Roethlisberger and Brown? It, w- it would be surprising, and that's the kind of performance I think it's going to take for the- to beat this Broncos defense. All right, let's make some picks, starting with Sizzler. I think this is going to be very low scoring, and uh, if you like defensive games and, and, and sort of odd games, I think it's going to be an odd one. And I go the Steelers, 18-15. I think I went Broncos, but I'm going to change my mind and go Steelers. Wow. Because I I think Gary Kubiak is not going pistol, is from what I've been reading. They're going to put Peyton Manning under center the way Brock Osweiler was and run their ground attack. I think that makes Peyton Manning a sitting duck back there. Our, our producers hating us that we're cha- literally changing our picks <laughs> as we go. I'm gonna, I, Couldn't I just, have told them about it before. I, Fine, I love the Broncos' defense ruined. in this matchup, but I just don't trust Peyton Manning. I'm sorry. I don't trust him. I, I'm going to go 15-12. Mm, look at this. 
Uh, exciting football. 15-12. You know, I, I'm going to say Peyton Manning throws two touchdown passes. I think he probably gets knocked out next week and he doesn't play well. I think that sad Peyton Manning bench shot is coming. But I think this is not it. I think he's going to have, have some moments. I think they're going to run the ball well. And I think the Steelers really will be limited uh, because of Ben Roethlisberger's shoulder injury. Uh, I am going 2010. Denver moves on. I don't feel good about this at all, but I'll admit my uh, bias, just like uh, Dan roots against the Patriots for wish fulfillment reasons. <laughs> I'm rooting for the Steelers for wish fulfillment reasons. I want a home game in the AFC Championship. That's go, fair. Go Pittsburgh. You'll win. 21-20. <laughs> all right. I want go. it to happen. So there is our preview of the four divisional round games. we got some uh, breaking news to talk about now. Oh, yeah. That's when you know. It's some serious stuff. The San Francisco 49ers have their new coach, and oh, my God, it's Chip Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, we're breaking the news to Sessler as it happens. This happened while we were recording just a few minutes Kelly ago. fired, of course, at the end of his third season with the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, has been hired by the 49ers. Uh, of course, Kelly had two 10-6 seasons in his initial seasons with Philly, was given personnel control, and it all went to hell. And obviously, he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. He got run out of town in Philly. But GM Trent Balky, uh, who was in charge of this search, decided that Chip um, has what it takes to be the coach of the Niners after they you know, they made Jim Tomsula the patsy uh, last season. Now they're saying, Chip, we believe in you. Uh, you might be a weirdo, an eccentric weirdo. We're not going to give you power of the roster, but if you can coach it up and make some, uh, have some innovation on offense, who knows, maybe fix uh, Colin Kaepernick, uh, we're going to give you a shot. Chip Kelly, coach of the 49ers. So, Whoa. So Kelly and, Stunner. Ka- Kelly and Colin Kaepernick are together, just not where everyone expected. I mean, people thought maybe that's the combination that would be in Philadelphia next year, and you do – that's my immediate thought is you do think Colin Kaepernick has a much, much better chance to be on this team today than he did yesterday. They also have a very high draft pick. Yeah. And they're in a perfect position to pick a quarterback if Kelly falls in love with one of these other guys. Now, I like this situation because I do think Chip Kelly is remains a fascinating figure and he's getting a second chance and a chance to revise maybe some of the ways that he did things and really probably a lot of the ways he did things interpersonally with people. And you've got Trent Trent Balky, a strong general manager, and you don't have personnel decision for Chip. I like that. Now, Kelly, this thing could be very quick if he's not shown that he can be a different guy than he was in Philly. Those players did not want to play for him at the end of his run there, and especially the defensive players, did not buy into the fact that they're on the field more than any other defense in the league. We're just assuming that Chip Kelly would pick Colin Kaepernick over Blaine Gabbert. No, I'm not. I, I'm saying it's a much better chance that he's on the team now. And in the word out of San Francisco this offseason, they've at least tried to put it out there that Kaepernick's more likely to be on the team than people think. Now, maybe I thought they were maybe just trying to raise his trade value a little well, bit. We'll have to see. This is a big story. Through, through the draft, it's going to be a story. Let me just make a few points about this quarterback decision. When I was doing the next-gen stats notebook throughout the season, one of the surprising aspects was that Blaine Gabbert is one of the fastest quarterbacks in the league and faster than Colin Kaepernick. That's so. pretty important. Also runs the bootleg almost to perfection. That's what you want. Now, Chip Kelly's isn't bootleg, but there's a lot of movement there. 
And I think if you've got Colin Kaepernick in a Chip Kelly offense, what we saw in Philadelphia, those quarterbacks have to be accurate in the intermediate and short throws. That's not Colin Kaepernick's game. I think Kelly has a chance to be a really good hire. And I think it, I think he has a chance to be a good coach that adds a lot of value as an offensive coach and hopefully figures out the, everything else. But I think the situation is so tough that a good coach could absolutely fail quickly, even if they are a good coach, just because the roster is not great. We were saying it's a tough job. I don't think the patience is going to be there. And you got to play the Cardinals and Seahawks for a tough division. I think there's a reason, by the way, Greg, you put the Niners as the least desirable yep. coaching job. And now you're taking – Chip Kelly, who has zero interpersonal skills from uh, what we understand, and putting him into a situation where he's with a front office and ownership that is getting killed for its inability to communicate and running Jim Harbaugh out of town. I think there is potential here for this to be a massive entertaining disaster as well. <laughs> uh, do not rule that out as a possibility. It could also go well, like you were saying, Mark, like maybe he learns a little bit. And I think – I think the Niners learn from it. There's a, you're not going to be in charge of personnel, and maybe that makes Chip Kelly a more successful head coach. But his issues in communicating with players, I don't think that's something he might be able well, to say, uh, you know, solve. And I think this could go uh, sideways real quick. Yeah, it certainly could. And for all the reasons that you pointed out, organizationally, this is a team. This is a team that said we can't handle the quirks of Jim Harbaugh. Can't handle so, the ego of it. Right. We need to move on. So now you've gotten someone else who certainly has an ego and certainly is a visionary in his the own genius. mind. At least. But that said. I don't, I don't think the quarterback's necessarily on the roster. You have, you have a chance to rebuild through the draft to some degree. They have to show some patience with this guy, or they are completely lost at sea. You have to show patience with Kelly. You can't expect him in two years to turn this thing well, around. Well, we, we root for the story, and it's a great story. We actually learned during, during the show, too, as the show went along, Coughlin, Tom Coughlin, who we talked about earlier, has pulled out of the Eagles job. So we're not going to get that great story, but we are getting Kelly in San Francisco, which is going to be a lot of fun. I, I'm happy that Chip Kelly's in the mix because it is kind of interesting when he when he's around one way or the other. Uh, we'll dig into more of this uh, next week as uh, things start to shake out. But Chip Kelly uh, locked in with the Niners. How many open jobs are left? They're dwindling now. I think there's four still. I'm not going to acknowledge that the Titans exist. I'm with you, buddy. I'm with you. Uh, yeah, there's reports out there. Three. They are very serious about Mike Malarkey. Come on. Come on. Guys. Well, unless the Come personnel guy goes for Josh McDaniels, he's got some Patriots. You're serious times. about Mike Malarkey. We're not serious about you. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you to uh, Andrew Siciliano for stopping by, host of Around the NFL on NFL Network, uh, which you could check throughout the next, uh, the end of this week and through the next two-hour shows, 5 to 7 Eastern. We will be back on Sunday, of course, with our big divisional round wrap-up show, the flagship uh, show of the Around the NFL podcast, our recaps. So make sure you tune in for that. And thank you, of course, to our good friend Scott Trade uh, for sponsoring the podcast. You will not be forgotten. Ever. <laughs> you are loyal to the cause, and we will be loyal to you, Scott. Thanks, Scott. We love you. All right. Until Sunday, this is Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm. The mailman, the boss, La Cid behind the glass. Maybe TD's back there in his trench coat, too. Oh, my God. Till Sunday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.